And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. four of the Keith Law Show. I'm going to be joined today by Stephanie Epstein of Sports Illustrator. We're going to do a little uh, postseason awards talk, rules changes, little postseason preview, just kind of a, uh, I guess, pretty standard set of October topics. Every once in a while, I like to uh, play it straight. And we'll be back to some of these author interviews that I've been doing lately uh, pretty soon, actually. Uh, because I've been reading a lot more, uh, which has to do with a little bit more travel. Uh, I've got some more travel coming up as well. And the more I travel, the more I read, the more I read, the more I want to talk to authors about what they wrote. Uh, for subscribers to The Athletic, uh, last week I did my annual, um, actually my players I was wrong column was two weeks ago. And then I did my minor league players of the year. This week I did my hypothetical ballots for five of the six postseason awards. I did not do NL Rookie of the Year because I have a vote on it, and still multiple people asked me why I left it out, or did I forget, even though I said so in the column, because nobody ever reads the intro. I will uh, probably not have anything new until I file some Arizona Fall League scouting reports, which there should be two or three posts from out there, after which we'll get to free agency. It'll be time for free agent rankings, which has kind of come up on me very quickly. For folks who follow me for board game stuff, I did review the new game called Wormholes, a space-themed pickup and delivery game that I actually think, although it looks a bit more like a kind of an adult game night strategy game, it's one for the kids. You, if you like Ticket to Ride, it's that level of complexity, it's that level of strategy, and my nine-year-old was super into it, both theme and gameplay. So I did like it quite a bit. I just think it's kind of miscast as a, as more of a Euro game. It's definitely one to play with your kids. It is my pleasure to be joined by Stephanie Epstein. She covers Major League Baseball for Sports Illustrated. You can find her on Twitter at Steph, S-T-E-P-H, Epstein, A-P-S-T-E-I-N. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, and good job spelling. So, thank you. <laughs> One of my core skills. Um <laughs> So let's start with, uh, you've written a little bit about Aaron Judge recently. Uh, wanted to talk a little bit about him and sort of the brouhaha over his achievement um, and also the AL MVP race. So you know, I, I guess I'll ask this kind of in a broad sense too. My my personal interest is, hey, this is great. This is a guy having an absolute all-timer of a season. Can we maybe not with the quote-unquote real home run record stuff and just like celebrate him on his 
own. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't really begrudge Roger Maris Jr. for saying this stuff. I mean, it's his dad. You're allowed to yeah. like your dad. You're allowed to have sort of biased opinions when it comes to things about your dad, especially when your dad's achievement is sort of the defining moment in your life. You know, his job is 60. He has a company called 61 something or other. So like, that's okay. He can. <laughs> I think probably we should stop asking him because um, we know the answer. But yeah. I just, I just think it's sort of, uh, I think it's sort of, I, I don't know exactly the word I want, but it, it's, well, it's, part of it is a little, it feels like a little hurtful to, I, I mean, I'm 34. It feels like people of my generation, like, I don't know. I really liked watching Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it turns out that probably they didn't do it, you know, with, uh, behaving in all of the ways that we might wish, but well put. Yes. Also, you know, Babe Ruth didn't play against a black player, so right. it, and I'm, I'm not necessarily equating those two. I'm just saying that the context. I don't think the context is clear on any of these guys. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they were putting greenies in the coffee when Maris was playing, so yep. it's. I, I just don't think that. Um, I don't think that we get to decide to sort of ignore a swath of baseball history because we don't like how it came to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually think that this is, you know, as I mentioned, the people in my age group, I think feel a little bit differently about this. And I, so I think this is an opinion that you're going to hear less of over time, because mm-hmm. I do think that, you know, for better or for worse, the home run race drew a lot of people in. And that is what, people who love the sports say they want is more fans. And so I think as younger generations make up a larger uh, percentage of baseball fans, we will Mm -hmm. spend less time talking about whether those records are legitimate, which I think will be good. I also Mm -hmm. think it's, it's a little disrespectful to the season that judge is having to argue about what the real record is. He doesn't do that. He's not, he says 73 is the record. This yep. is cool. You know, the AL record is is cool. The mm-hmm. part of me feels like talking about the AL record is sort of like an end around to talking is is sort yeah. of a way for people to talk about the real record without talking about the real record. But mm-hmm. I do also think that people really like watching home runs. I mean, the you just don't see ESPN cutting into college football games for the batting title. We love watching these guys hit the ball really far. And so even if it's not, even if it's the, the AL record, even, you know, when like Joey Votto was going for eight straight home runs in eight straight games last, last year, the year before Mike Trout was on a similar run at one point, it's just fun to watch home runs. And so I guess I don't really care what the motivation is necessarily behind why people like it so much, but it was really, we haven't seen 60 home runs in a long time. You know, Kyle Schwarber had 46. To be that far ahead of anybody else in the league is really incredible, regardless of, and there's so much more con- context, you know, like the ball's not flying as far. Pitching is better. So I, I guess this is a thing that baseball fans like to do is argue about the significance of things. And so you know, I, I would never begrudge anyone the opportunity to argue about something that in the end doesn't really matter that much. But 
I do think we, it can start, it can sometimes get lost that this is one of the most astonishing seasons we've ever seen. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, trust me, there's part of me that's always like, yeah, we're on a, you know, we're tiny creatures on a rock hurtling through space. Totally. Doesn't matter what the real record is, eat Arby's. But there is a part of me that cannot let, and you you got to this too, and I had a feeling you were going to go in this direction also, um, where, you know, on some level, we can't revise history. It is what it is. There are people who, look, there I don't care about Bonds, Maguire, Sosa, what they may or may not have used. My position has always been, like you said, we know lots of players use greenies. We don't really know exactly who used what, but we know they help. Um, they actually, made, there, there's an argument, they may help more than other performance enhancing drugs. So this idea of he's clean, he's not clean, and we know that for sure, that's never done anything for me. But the problem that I keep coming back to is you can't revise history. You can talk about history and you can talk about the context, which you just did, which I think is hugely important. Somebody, it might have been Joe Sheehan, pointed out, you know, Maris did it in expansion year. And generally when we have expansion years, you get this temporary dilution of talent and you get outlier performances. And that's fine. It doesn't mean they didn't happen, but we right. can talk about the context as opposed to, now that one doesn't count. I don't like that guy, so that doesn't count. And that's the thing that gets under my skin more than anything is this idea of, you know, it's essentially, to me, it's denialism. And in some, you know, I obviously in the world of science, for example, that matters tremendously. But here it's baseball. It doesn't really matter, but I can't not see them as the same thing. And that's why that has bothered me. In addition to, I think you're right. The last thing you said too, it is insulting and unfair to judge. And it took attention away from him. We could have just focused on him, but instead he ended up unwillingly in this imbroglio over, well, is this the real record? Is that the real record? And instead it, I, especially with him, maybe with him having the long gap before he hit the go ahead home run too, maybe, or maybe it was the tying home run, right? That was the gap They're where- Both actually. Oh, both. Yes. Right. Where, you know, thanks Aaron. Thanks for stretching this out as long as you possibly could, but it kind of made it worse. Yeah. I feel like, and that's that, Made me, I, by the end, I was like, ugh, which sucks. I'm a baseball fan. Right. You're a baseball fan. Right. We want to see the baseball and not have that argument. There's plenty of other arguments, which we'll have in a second over the Judge Otani thing. But to me, just to sort of finish this point, like I felt like we, we did lose a little something here in what was otherwise pretty awesome. Like I would, you know, for a while I was paying attention to. I wanted to see every judge at bat. And then after a while, I was like, oh my God, I want to see his at bats. I just don't want to hear any of the commentary. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, I mean, baseball is trying, baseball like capital B is trying to mm -hmm. sort of get away with, with something here because the idea <laughs> that, that, you know, the commissioner and the, the heads of the sport didn't know that these guys were on steroids while this was happening is sort mm -hmm. of absurd since everyone yeah. did. And so yeah, they allowed this, right. you know, the context that they now decry, they allow that, allowed that to happen. And now they're like, but in or because they knew it was bringing fans. And now they're like, but, but those records don't count. The ones, the right. things that, that got you here, you know, that we liked when they were bringing in fans. Now we don't like them. Well, that's not, sorry, you signed up for this. This is the outcome. So, yeah. you know, it, it's, I think it's also okay for things to be complicated. It's yes. Not on Twitter, though. Sure, That's not sure. allowed. Yeah, sports get is is often 
a good way to look at society. And, you know, we, we can talk about race relations through this. We can talk about uh, communal behavior versus individual behavior. There's a lot of ways that sports mirrors and sometimes moves ahead of society. And so I think it's okay that things aren't clear and we have to talk about whether, you know, there, there are conversations about like, you know, love the art, dislike the artist. There's a lot. It's okay to, to have to explain to a child one day that it's not as simple as the numbers on a piece of paper. Right. That's what the rest of our lives is too. Yes. Oh God. I mean, we could spend the entire podcast talking about, right? Musicians, authors. Yeah. Right. It's problematic. What the whole, I was a big arcade fire fan. Well, I guess I am still a big fan of the music, but apparently yeah. Win Butler, not a great guy. Like, Oh, you're telling me that it's, it's not cut and dry. that things aren't yeah. just easy and simple. Oh, wow. I have no context to understand that. <laughs> like that. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's complicated. It is complicated. It is, um, you know, and we could hot hot take the hell out of this, right? But you don't, I don't. I mean, obviously, there are people do who make a whole living out of doing that, sure. you know, yelling about this stuff on TV. But I do, I, I agree. We we sort of lose something. I mean, to me, this even blends into the sportsification of our political discourse, where sure. it is very much, you know, take a fairly extreme position and defend. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not, right. because that's what sells. Yeah, yeah. It is extremely frustrating, and I feel like it's bled over into that. Um, also into this ALMVP debate where what we really should be saying is we have two play. There are two candidates. Obviously, I think there are only two candidates. Sure. I'm assuming you agree. It's Judge or Otani. Yes. You take Judge, who's had a historically great offensive season with some defensive. He's not a DH or anything, obviously. That's not what I'm saying. But like his sure. offense, yes. by however you measure it, right? It is historically great versus Otani, who's a unicorn. Yes. We have no historical comparisons. I came down on the Otani has had an MVP caliber season, but Judges was historically great. Not only was he ahead by advanced by, by wins above replacement, no matter which system you look at, how you calculate it, he's pretty clearly ahead on total value. And also, probably the best, certainly the best non-bond season we've seen in thirty years. Right. Um, one of the 10 best or so since, since integration, which I, I like to use as a cutoff just personally. Like that's kind of more like real baseball. Right. Where did you come down on that? You don't, I know you don't vote. I didn't vote on ALMVP, but where, if you'd had a ballot, how would you have come down on those guys? I think this is another one where it's okay that it's complicated. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we're lucky that it's so hard. Mm -hmm. I have <laughs> gone back and forth all year. If you ask me, you know, on a Tuesday, you would get a different answer than on a Wednesday most of the time. Mm -hmm. I think that where I have settled is actually a point made by one of your colleagues, Andy McCullough, that mm -hmm. this is, we will remember this season for Aaron Judge. Yep. And last season we remembered for Otani. And this is what it would take to beat Otani. You have to have a season that is historically, if, if he is at the height of his powers, you have to have a season that is historically great. Yep. Uh, and I think that Aaron Judge has. And so... In almost any other year, with almost any other player, it's mm -hmm. Otani and it's not close. But this is this is what it looks like. You have to have like the best season in the last, you know, possibly ever offensively. Yep. Uh, and, and so, I, and I think Judge has. Uh, I I would guess that it's going to be like thirty first place votes for Judge and thirty second place votes for Otani. I think it's going to be so mm -hmm. it, that will in some ways not seem close, but in some ways being incredibly close. Right. 
Right. Yeah. Especially because the way they right the first place vote is worth quite a bit more than right. the second so place will- vote. I wondered if we'd get like a 28 to 2 situation where the I guess depends on who's voting from the LA chapter also. And I'm not necessarily sure. saying it's just going to be biased, but we could it wouldn't surprise me if we got something very close. Judges barely denied the unanimous MVP which nobody cares about. Like no oh, so yeah. I never remember. People get so mad you denied him that nobody remembers that. A week from now, no one is going to remember that. Sure. Um have you looked much at the NL race? Because I wrote up my uh, just on on the site. I wrote up the, for the five ballots I don't have. I wrote here's how I would probably vote if I had those. I actually had the the hardest time of of all five of them mm-hmm. with NL MVP because yeah. you've got arguably three or four candidates who are like the stats just don't really do a very good job of separating sure. them. They're all kind of right there. I ended up leaning towards Arenado because great player, great season defensive wizard yeah. and by you know and i mean i obviously Manny machado is also a great defensive player too but all the metro all the defensive metrics the public ones we have point to arenado being the better player you know at the end of the day i'm gonna lean towards the guy who plays the harder position or provides a lot more value on defense but that's not to say i'm right that's just sort of i i gotta find some way yeah, to separate right. these guys where did you have goldschmidt in that I think I had him behind also Machado. Yeah. But you could put Goldschmidt first. I'm not going to argue against no. that. He Offensively, he's had the best season. Sure. Yeah, I think I probably fall alongside you. I also, Goldschmidt mm-hmm. fell off a little bit toward the end, which doesn't necessarily, I mean, the numbers are still so good that I don't yeah, know right. ding a guy for Fell off. For that. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, I, you're you're like thin slicing to find. Totally. Yeah. They, yeah. That, that is, I do not envy people who have that ballot because that is a really hard one. Um, I always debate whether, because generally they give me rookie of the year, which is fine. Obviously, it's like, that's what I do, right? I follow these. I'm f- completely fine with that. It's not a complaint. Sometimes I look and say, I, would that be fun to do? Or would that just be aggravating, right? Would I be actually staying up late at night? Because I would, because I do tend to overthink things in life in general and would overthink the MVP ballot. Would, or would it be fun? Because look, NL rookie, it's two guys. And either this year, it's you pick Harris, you pick Strider, neither one of them is wrong. That was it. I didn't yeah. have to spend a whole lot of time on it. I spent more time figuring out who to put third, actually. Sure. Right? Whereas in LMVP, I might have spent, I might have enjoyed that, I think, trying to figure that one out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's an interesting, um, you know, you'll see, I think that the teams they play for will matter mm-hmm. to voters there. Which- yes everyone can have their own opinion about that. I don't think that that should have too much impact, but I can understand why people, some people yeah. think it does. Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, Machado might see a little bit of a boost because the Padres hung on there. Right. And just got it. You know, he helped the team get to the playoffs without, right. you know, they missed their best player for the entire year. Yeah. And you could argue that without him, they're not, you know, without either Arenado or Goldschmidt, the Cardinals are still in the playoffs without right. Machado. Yep. The Padres are definitely not. Um, I don't think that that's the reason, but I can I can see that that I could see that giving him a couple more votes. Yep, I agree. The one guy I'm kind of rooting for a little bit, if if, if you could say such a thing, I'd like to see Sandy Alcantara get some top five MVP consideration. Yeah, like he's he should win NL Cy Young going away. I I can't he, imagine he won't. Right? What he did, I and you know sucks that he did it for a team where we just 
don't pay that much attention, right? Not yeah. a playoff team, small local fan base, very little. Oh, my cat's here. <laughs> I bias, that's bias cat. Um, anyway, the I was even a victim of this too, where we got to pretty late in the season. So, wait, he has how many complete games? Right. He's been like more than the rest it. of the league. Yeah, right? 25 or so innings ahead of our, I, I don't know where it finished up. When I wrote my column, he was almost 30 innings ahead of the next team. Then they, it's outrageous. Right? It is. Yeah. It's it's almost judgy in, in the gap Yeah. to the next player. Yep. And to I mean, the, I, given the context of the league, you know, same same idea. I mean, it's it's funny you brought up. You're 34. I'm 49, and enough of a difference that I remember when 225 innings was pretty normal yeah, for starters. Really and we've we've lost that. And there's a part of me. It's like I get it. I get it from a health perspective, and I get it from a strategy perspective. I am nostalgic for that. I am yeah. absolutely nostalgic for starters who work deeper into games. I don't really argue much about it because I know it's sentimental. Um, you know, and I'm supposed to be like a, people think I'm just a robot without mm, emotions. Sure. So I have to, you know, I have a rep to protect. Yeah, please. Right. But I looked at Alcantara's line this year. It's like, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Actually. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like that. Actually, you know what? It also reminded me a lot of Roy Holiday, who obviously yes. I have particular attachment to. And it was, yeah, I didn't think we were going to see seasons like that anymore. And he did it. And hopefully he shows no ill effects. And maybe that encourages teams to say, find the guy, right? Not every guy is going to do it. You're not doing that with Jacob deGrom. Sure. But you, you pick your guy and see, maybe he could be our, you know, 200 plus innings guy. I don't think we have to throw that out completely. Even if we're saying, well, most starters probably shouldn't do 200 innings anymore, but some might. I actually wonder, this could be too much of a stretch. But I wonder if we will see a little bit of a bump in that with the pitch mm-hmm. clock, because if guys can't mm. throw max effort every time because they just don't have time to recover, I yep. wonder if that leaves a little bit of room for them to go deeper into games or make, may, maybe there will be a little bit less injury, uh, a little bit more room for this. I don't think it'll be a huge jump, but mm-hmm. I could see, I could also see a, a different kind of pitcher than having success because you can't just throw max effort all the time. And so maybe that affects right. the guys who are coming up the way that they are trying to take down lineups. Uh, I, I, so I could imagine, maybe this is just wishful thinking. I could imagine <laughs> a scenario in which we see a little bit of a push toward, toward that kind of picture again. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream direct TV over the internet now. Oh sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream direct TV without a satellite dish. Call one eight hundred direct TV. Terms or restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Are you pro pitch clock? Anti? A pro, yes. Yes. Um, I was probably anti before and then they put it in at the minor league level and that's obviously where I spend most of my life. And suddenly I was like, I'm getting home a half hour earlier. Yeah, this rules. Right? I saw the same quantity of baseball. It's, I, I don't, I mean, from a fan's perspective, other than, I guess, sort of an emotional tie to the idea that baseball has no clock, I can't imagine what the downside would be. You see the same amount of baseball and then you get to leave and go to bed. It's right. like right. <laughs> might make you, might, you, could have, you could have a dinner reservation. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, right? Yeah. It is, I, I, I completely agree with you. Why were we, opposed to that why was we we why why was i opposed to this in the first place yeah that's pretty like now i'm questioning why i was ever uh skeptical of this they started i you know i see it a little bit they did fall league they did it i think it was the sec was doing it and i saw little differences but it was this year in the minors I guess probably because also I was home, right? So it was tangible to me. It's like, I'm literally walking in the door half right. or my wife would be like, you're home early. Yeah. You know, I think she was half annoyed because she would be in the middle of Ozark or something. Um, sure, like, maybe no, she's being like a tractor. Right? Yes. But I was like, yeah, actually, this is this is pretty great. And you've realized to me, you know, I could have told you there's a fair amount of dead time within baseball. Obviously, I'm not a, you know, I'm no Pollyanna when it comes to that. But then you realize, because I always thought it was, you know, longer breaks between innings or, you know, mound visits, which also limiting mound visits completely in favor yes. of that also. But when I see the anybody from the dugout start walking the mound, that's when I reach down and pull out my book and I'm like, Absolutely. I'm going to read at least two pages yes. before we get back to actual baseball. But it was the shape. We've shaved a lot of dead time off of it. And I think I'm hopeful this actually makes it also a more entertaining product. That's my other thing that I keep yes. coming back to is I do understand we do lose some people. You know, you're not going to just take everybody and make them a baseball fan. But if there are people who say, I like baseball, but. Right. Those are the people we might be able to get back. And if we can promise a shorter experience, if we can get kids home earlier. I was going to say, kid, yeah, kids yeah. can only watch through the third yeah. inning. Yep. That's not fun. Nope. I see it a ton at uh, my early games. I see the families leaving early. They come for, they're actually essentially planning. We're going to come for five innings. Right. Which to me is. Okay, that's not great. I mean, I'm glad you came, sure. but you're not getting your money's worth, right? And your kids are suddenly you're divorcing your children from the outcome of the game, also. Yeah. And like, I can, I don't care who wins the game, but most other people should. You would yeah. like to engender that. I feel like we're not getting that anymore. Right. So, but it it seems like such a trivial change, and but I could see all of these different ways where it might potentially benefit us. Whereas, like the larger bases, sure. Yeah. Do I think that's going to make a big difference? Probably not. It might prevent one or two really bad injuries, but most fans aren't going to notice it. Sure. Where do you come down on the shifting? Or banning the shift, I guess I should say. I think I have evolved a little bit on that. I think that what they've ended up with is, 
I'm sort of philosophically opposed to telling them that they have to play worse defense, but (laughs) I do think two on each side, it allows you, it it just, it just adds some consequences Mm -hmm. shifting in a way that I think is actually okay. That you can still do the four man outfield. Yeah. You just can't do a five man outfield, which is fine, but you can do a format. You just have to then, commit to losing, losing balls on the side. You, you just, um, you, there's a little bit more risk reward, I guess, in it, mm-hmm. which I think is okay. Uh, I, I think that it's, I'm really very pro pitch clock because I think it's going to have a big impact. I don't think banning the shift yeah. going to do that much, but I also think that so much of the game is already, you know, sports are artificial, like artif- are full of artificial constructs. You know, we already say that you can't just pick who comes up to the plate in the most important spot. We already say that once you've left the game, you can't come back in. Mm-hmm. Wanted the mo- the best uh, player, play- the-, the sort of optimized situation at all times. Right. We've left that behind a long time ago. So <laughs> I don't think, you know, the catcher already has to be the, the only one in foul territory. Whatever. Yeah. Right. Let's see. It, it, let's, let's not be so precious about <laughs> where they stand that we lose. I also like, I would like to see, you know, I, I kind of miss those, those lefty pole hitters having success. Yes. So it, it, let's see. Maybe, maybe this will help. The one thing I've wondered, and this could be me being a little ridiculous too. Do, will we have sort of a man in motion thing too? Like in football, where yeah, one guy is like, that would be kind of funny, right? Like people would be, Oh yeah! Hey, look, he's there running he across to get right. That would yeah. be kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I like think. it. Yeah, it's a good one. I hope so. Those are those. There are little things like that. That, uh, I, yeah, that'd be good. I yeah. I don't know. Maybe the novelty would wear off. I mean, I am still. There's still twelve year old Keith. Actually, I'm doing the math. Yeah, that'd be about right. <laughs> who misses the you know eighty to hundred stolen base guys? Sure. And as much as I understand, obviously, like I I get it. I know why people don't do that. I thought that was pretty awesome. Like, bring me Eric Davis. I want that. Now, and, and obviously, I'm not even asking for like Tim Raines and Ricky Henderson, but guys who are stealing 70, 80, 80 bases a year and doing lots of other things, yeah, they were awesome. Like, I love those. Those were every kid's favorite players were guys like that. And we don't have those anymore. And so if we could find little ways to bring some of that athleticism, excitement, maybe it's a little weirdness back. I'm, I'm generally in on that. And I try to be open-minded. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the proliferation of data in the game has meant that everybody is trying to be more efficient, which is good mm-hmm. from uh, a competitive standpoint, but right. a lot of the things that are fun to watch are inefficient. So yeah. anytime we can, and they're not going to, the incentives are such that everyone is the offense and the defense are usually both trying for the same thing, which is the inefficient thing, which, which sorry, which is the efficient thing, which is home runs and strikeouts. So right. you want to see, some inefficient stuff, we sort of have to legislate it because they're all incentivized to eliminate all the stuff that makes the game kind of wild. And mm-hmm. so I don't really have a problem with creative ways to, to force them out of that. Right. It might not work, but no, we don't try. 
I'm glad they're trying something. I don't necessarily love everything they're trying, yeah. but this is an industry that has generally been pretty set in its ways. And so, okay. You know what? I don't have to like every change. That's absurd. Yeah. I, I like some of the changes and I will be open-minded about the others. Yeah. I agree. Um, last question for you. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's going to the World Series? Uh, so I just had to make it for <laughs> SI as well, actually. And I said Dodgers Astros. Yeah. And it's possible that it's just wishful thinking because that's sort of the obviously most tantalizing storyline. Of but course. I do think that the Dodgers are far and away the best team in the sport. Yeah. And the Astros are the team I most fear, I would most fear as an American League opponent. Mm-hmm. So I think that the, I mean, you know, just from a chalk sense, they seem like the, the two sort of most obvious to get there. I think that those are two teams that are really set up for postseason success. Yeah. And just how much fun would that be? I mean, it, it, every at bat, th- these guys often say, you know, it's just another game. Like we want to win the World Series. We want to we win the World Series. Not mm-hmm. under those circumstances. Right. There is there. Everything would be imbued with so much more meaning and oh it would i just think it would be really cool the players would be really into it the fans would be really into it we certainly would have something to write constantly full of storylines yes <laughs> I just think that would be i think that would be really fun and i think that baseball fans sort of deserve that after a rough last few years uh i think yankees astros alcs to get there would be mm-hmm. incredible i think uh i think this is what fans deserve and so that that is what and I also think it lines up with what is most likely to happen. What, what's your pick? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I generally go chalk also, yeah. unless I have some particular reason and I don't. Like, if I felt like the Mets were completely, you know, pitching wise, especially yeah. totally healthy right. hat. Yeah. And that's a team I would like to see make a deep run because they're interesting. They're yeah, very interesting. They're a, they have, they're a lot of fun. They have a lot of really famous guys on the roster um, obviously a ton of turmoil and, you know, I, I won't go into the litany of things, you know, a lot of bad decisions sure. that have generally like things turned around and a lot of bad luck. And they finally had a year where they got some good luck, except, you know, they won hundred games, didn't win the division. I guess that's yeah. not good luck, but still yeah. like on paper, a fully healthy Mets team is probably as good as any team other than maybe the Dodgers. And so to see them and like a Mets Dodgers NLCS would be pretty awesome. Yeah. There's some history there and you'd have like, I mean, it's just so many guys who are either award winners, future hall of famers, just particularly famous. Yeah. A lot of stars, a lot of stars. A lot of, there. Right. I would like that. I mean, tr- trust me, if Tatis were there, I'd be like Padres, 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 because that's a super fun team when he's there. And I think he's when healthy, the best player in the national league. They don't have him. And I think that obviously one, it makes their odds worse. And two, they're, they are less interesting to see. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I think this affects Cleveland a little bit who I think I just talked to a friend who's advancing them. He said, this team's really good. Don't be surprised if they're like, don't count them out for the postseason, which I am of the attitude. It's like, I literally have some dice sitting here on my desk. You could just roll those. They predict better than I would. Especially in a short series. Forget it. Right. But then I look at Cleveland. I say, there's not a lot of stars. This is a great team. But from a sort of put them on TV perspective, they're probably not 
as well, appealing. Leave and it's not on at one o'clock every day. So that's right. Yes. Oh yeah. Right. That's the other thing, right? They'll bury them, right? We'll yeah. just never see Cleveland. Wait, Cleveland's in the playoffs. I had no idea. So yeah. I, I'm not rooting against them. I'm just sort of trying to acknowledge, I guess the obvious If Cleveland wins the world series. I'd be thrilled for them. Sure. And there's great players there, but I also look at like, you know, lacking in star power. And there's some, some of that is circular, right? If they got more TV attention or more media attention, they would have more stars. Well, and I was going to say from a narrative perspective, maybe, you know, if Cleveland makes a run this year but doesn't win it then mm-hmm. you've seen those guys on tv you've heard of those guys so yes next year, also true you are sort of emotionally attached to them and so very fair i think we might see that from the mariners too that yes you don't necessarily you're not maybe you don't, you're not aware of all of these guys you know they play mm-hmm. at night for east coasters it's a young yep. team but if we see them a little bit in october maybe next year you're even more excited to see them there very true you seen that with my guess over the last couple of years my guest today has been Stephanie Epstein. She is she covers Major League Baseball for Sports Illustrated. You should follow her on Twitter at Steph Epstein. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. That's all for this week's show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe.